Welcome to Tethered, where we have conversations connecting faith and culture. I'm Bill Falk, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Sunshine, and today's show is about purpose. Have you ever wanted to know the purpose for your life? In this show, we're going to talk about how purpose as it relates to entrepreneurship and also how it can carry you from a breakdown to a breakthrough. We are blessed to have with us today Chuck Kendi, entrepreneur, who's going to share with us his story of building businesses, mentoring, and also a personal story of how he went from a breakdown to a breakthrough. At the end of the show, Chuck's going to share some helpful tips for entrepreneurs and how you can get a copy of his book detailing his journey of discovering his purpose. Chuck specializes in lean manufacturing, employee incentive systems, and product and service development. He and his father built a successful manufacturing company over the span of 40 years. He managed operations and later became the CEO of Hindi Enterprises, and it grew from a startup in the late 60s to a $20 million uh, annual revenue business. 2006, he sold his company and continued to work in management. He did retire in 2012, and he, actually his brother Ed and his wife Nina um, own a successful restaurant that many people know about here in the Houston area, The Taste of Texas. So Chuck has taught high school level courses in entrepreneurship with Junior Achievement and has actually been a mentor with the University of Houston Wolf Center of Entrepreneurship since the late late 1990s. So we are very excited to have uh, Chuck here with us today talking about purpose and entrepreneurship. And so welcome to the show, Chuck. Thank you. It's a great honor to be here. And I I really appreciate being able to be a part of this show. And uh, I love it every week when I... Yeah, I'm looking forward every week on Thursday to listen to, and it's a great honor to be a participant and have an opportunity to tell my story and and my testimony. Well, we're we're really looking forward to hearing that as well, and I just want to make sure uh, that we don't forget that not only is it a special day that Chuck is here with us, but it's actually his birthday. So, how many people actually get a chance to do a interview on a podcast on your birthday? So. Um, so happy birthday, Chuck. Um, again, we're excited well, to have you with us. It's honor to be here on my birthday, 70, <laughs> 73 years old. and uh, First time on a podcast on your birthday. First time. And, and <laughs> there you go. I'm real excited. There you go. And we're going to have fun. Yeah. Well, we, again, we every time we have somebody on the show, we always uh, ask them to share their story. We believe the stories are impactful and, and can uh, shape culture. So, so tell us just your story, how you uh, got into... Uh, business and and how you got into your family business kind of entrepreneurship and was that something that you always had a desire for or just something that you as you got a little bit older you kind of saw that you had a passion for so just kind of tell us your story well let me let me start out with giving you a definition or at least what i've found is definition of entrepreneurship and then i'll okay kind of put my spin on it Uh, first of all an entrepreneur is a person who organizes and operates a business or businesses taking on a greater than normal financial risk in order to do so. That's that's a definition. Entrepreneurship is the process of creating a new enterprise and bearing its risk with the view of making a profit. Uh, my dad always defined entrepreneur as uh, being a problem solver. And he would say that our goal is to find a need and and fill it. And I think that's truly the, the definition of what an entrepreneur is. Those other definitions I started with are a little bit like describing a tree. 
you know, it's it's sticking out of the ground. It's got a trunk. It's got some limbs and leaves. But what's the reason for that tree's existence? And so I think when we talk about entrepreneurship, and that's where kind of purpose comes in later, it's what's the reason for an entrepreneur or entrepreneurship? And that is to create something of, of value to to uh, serve a need. Hmm. And you see that all around us. Um, I don't know if you would consider yourself an entrepreneur, but I believe, you know, Bill and Sunshine, you know, you guys as a team, y'all have created things to fulfill a need. Our church develops ministries to serve needs. You know, these, these needs are brought or they're perceived and then something's developed to, you know, to serve that need or to solve a problem. And that's, that's really what the definition of uh, entrepreneurship is. My background is that really it's a genetic thing to some extent. Uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur. He started a business in Buffalo, New York. It was a mill supply company. My dad uh, was always a salesman, you know, a salesman, and, uh, but he was kind of a promoter and he was passionate about developing uh, things to satisfy needs. And he saw an opportunity with starting a manufacturing company, corrugated box manufacturing company back in the 60s. And he put that together with some investors and they built a successful company. They were so successful that their competitors in order to defeat them, offered them a price they couldn't refuse. And so then my dad was out back on his own again, and he got a little money out of that endeavor. And he had to look at how he wanted to, you know, move forward with his life and to support his family. And he didn't really want to go to work for somebody else. He'd been working for other people for a number of years. So he decided, well, I'm going to go call on the customers that I'm used to calling on. I'm going to see if I can represent suppliers to that industry, in this case, the packaging uh, industry. And so he started his own factory rep firm, which is a one-man show, and called on the Gulf Coast you know, kind of chemical companies and food companies that he had been calling on before with the with the corrugated box company he had. And uh, so that in that way, that was his way of taking care of his family, doing what he did with the gifts he had and resources that he had. And, and he was always looking for opportunity to, you know, to grow that. When I got out of the service, uh, I'd gone into the Navy. I started going to University of Houston and you know, he needed some help with uh, doing accounting functions. And so I started working with, with him and that's how we got started together. So I was just helping him with, with his business. And I'll tell Mel more of that story uh, as we go, but let me go back a little further into, you know, my life and uh, traits. Uh, I was a very poor student. Hmm. And uh, later I really found out that I'd had some learning disabilities. Uh, mine were more visual where I, and also I had trouble focusing and, and concentrating. So I don't know if I had ADHD or, but I did have some problem with focusing on the the book and then going to the blackboard and 
So did you, did you, when you experienced that as a kid, were, did anybody recognize that about that? Or was it kind of like, Hey, you're just not a good student. Nah, they just thought I was a, uh, a low performer <laughs> and they would say things like, you know, the kid needs to sink or swim and he needs to start swimming and hmm. needs to get, you know, focused and get a purpose. And <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> Little did they know. So I, know? so I had, um, kind of low expectations of me. Uh, my, you know, my parents loved me and uh, my dad always said that, you know, you can, you can achieve things and, uh, you know, there, you should be considering that your life is limitless, you know, where you can uh, achieve whatever you want. So I had that going on with that kind of encouragement, but I didn't necessarily see how I could accomplish that because here I am, a low performer at at school. So anyway, when I got in the Navy, I was exposed to, in my case, poor leadership. Wow. Uh, you know, I listened to the guys a couple of weeks ago that were talking about, you know, honor and service. And and uh, I served honorably in, in the Navy and understood the, the uh, you know, the goals. And I was, I did my job. But what I experienced was, uh, of course, I was a enlisted man versus an officer, different than a couple of our members who were on a few weeks yeah. ago. And you know, the difference for me is that I, I didn't feel like I got motivated. Uh, there wasn't any clear message of what the goal was. Um, so I, I kind of experienced what I considered not so great leadership, at least in the area that I was in. I didn't feel like I was being led so well. And uh, part of that, I think, is, which also is a trait of entrepreneurship, is that I think a lot of entrepreneurs just aren't going to be happy working for somebody else. Hmm. Interesting. So being in the military, I was marching to somebody's drum, and I could see things I thought that could, could have been done better. And so when I got out of the service, it was – clear goal for me that I was I was not going to be marching to somebody else's tune. I wasn't going to be, you know, I was going to be my own, I was going to find my own purpose, my own goals in life, and then I'm, I was going to go do something to achieve the best I could, best I could do. Based on my experience as being a poor student and having kind of low expectations, I kind of had two goals going. One was to counteract the the low expectations that I was, I was going to exceed expectations. And then the other goal was that I was going to be the best that, you know, that I could be. And to a certain extent, that's a, that's like a loop, like in computer programming. It's a loop that kind of comes back on itself. Cause if you're going to be the best you can be everything you achieve, you can always do better. Right. And if you're going to exceed expectations, then here again, once you've, reach some expectation then you want to exceed that then that becomes kind of a self-fulfilling as well as self-motivating mm -hmm. kind of a cycle which is uh kind of my kind of my story with in business you know that i, would, I was also in other parts of my life where outside of business i liked adventure and so i always had something that I did in addition to work that 
took my mind off of work, but it was also adventurous. So kind of adventure and entrepreneurship. The risk taking. Adventure goes with entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I really like the analogy. You were talking about the tree and you were talking about how your dad was just saying, you know, it's, it's about, you know, you want to create value and, and bring something that, uh, you can solve a problem. So how much is it, hey, you have a passion to create something. I'm just going to create it and try to sell it versus I need to uh, evaluate if there's a need for this. Or do they, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody that's like, I just love, I don't know, making t-shirts. So I'm just going to try to sell you know, sell t-shirts. Where does it evaluate in the need and the value? Come, you know, how do, how do you marry, marriage those two? Well, that's a good question. Company my dad started, he was a factory rep I mentioned. And so we were selling other people's products to customers that he had served in the past. So that, when I got out of the surface, I was, I was going to, to University of Houston and working with him. I was mainly administrative, but in school, I was learning business strategies and uh, production logistics, and I was interested in making things. My dad's, you know, had made things in the past. He'd had a manufacturing company but his kind of view going forward, his his goal was to really just try to grow a, grow a business by selling, satisfying more customers mm -hmm. with resources and products that vendors he had or finding new vendors to serve those needs. What he had found is that there were products that there was a need for that his vendors really didn't have a, a uh, solution to. Okay. They were little simple ones, and uh, he knew that finding niches, you know, niche opportunities was was good, especially for a small company. So that's what we were. That's what we looked for, and my interest was in, in making those. And we found some very simple product solutions. One of them was company wanted to build up pads of corrugated sheets and make that into something they they used to separate loads on rail cars. So they'd have uh, a box car that would be loaded with some barrels and also have pallets, loads of bags and some other product. And they would want to keep those things separated. So having a built up pad would, would do that. But none of these companies that we represented could make that pad because it had to be thicker than their equipment was capable of. So we, started uh, that was really our first product was gluing together their sheets of corrugated and making the thicker pads the same kind of thicker pad combined with a separator could make a a pallet so instead of a wooden pallet you'd make a corrugated box pallet and there was a lot of need or there was a desire for that within within the industry they would this is back in the 70s and there was a little shortage and they thought that we we're going to run out of trees and um, you know resources like that so we were trying to the, the industry was trying to come up with other ways of having a having a pallet that would hold product for shipping without using without using lumber of course it was still using paper but it was less so we developed a a paper pallet and uh which turned out to be it turned out to be a great product but it was a nightmare <laughs> learning how to do it <laughs> i mean that's part of the th i think the thrill of 
being able to provide a product for somebody, you might not be so interested in what the product is per se, but it's that serving the serving part. But also I think for someone with a mind that wants to create and, and solve, it's that problem solving the trial and error of coming up with things. And then when you, you, you're able to achieve it and then you're like, yes, <laughs> it's that thrill that I think entrepreneurs like. Totally, totally agree. I got a passion for that, and it's it's kind of addictive. Addictive mm -hmm. to to uh, if you if you can envision a solution to a problem, and then figure out how to put all the components together to do that. I mean, you guys do that with with the kids programs that you put on here, and uh, so I I love that. So we just kind of grew from there. We did, we had numerous new ideas. I mean, the biggest. Probably the biggest groundbreaking thing that uh, I came up with was that we had developed a shade product. Uh, I could get into the backstory on that, but I'll just tell you that we had a. But that a, came through just you trying to create something for your wife with her plants at the house, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, we had these plants on the patio. We had a little studio apartment and my wife loved flowers and vegetation mm -hmm. and baskets and all that. And they would just during the summer they just get killed i mean it was great back in the spring and then it'd get to july and they get were just scorched dead so so she wanted me to solve that so i went out and found some bamboo roll up shades and i'd string them up on some wire and then that that kind of did it but they would rot and fall apart and so I would, we were manufacturing a variety of different products they were sewn uh, some of the products that we made, you know, were uh, products for a variety of uses that were industrial fabrics. And so in the industry, I found a vendor of a, of a type of a shading product that was a real high quality product that I could get smaller quantity of so I could make something that would solve our patio problem. So then I thought, well, if that solves our problem, there's got to be other people with problems that they have similar like problems. ours. You know, they, yeah. they need some shade, and there really <laughs> wasn't any products for that purpose for retail customers. So, my dad was always the great sales guy. So he, you know, he went out and called on nurseries, and they seemed to like that idea. So we developed some some products that were standard sizes, and then there was a a need for or a desire for just rolls of fabric where people could cut off what they want and then kind of build some wood structure and tack the shade fabric onto it. So we ended up developing a retail rack, you know, with shade fabric of different colors on it and sold that through major retailers, including well, Handy Dan was one, but then that became Home Depot and they were one of our, one of our customers. But in making these uh, shade panels, we we had a or found a demand for making bigger panels that the retailers themselves would use. So if you went to a, a nursery and you, you'd see they had a pipe structure and they had some fabric stretched over, mm -hmm. well, this was a, a better quality material. Mm -hmm. So we made a, a real high end quality product that would last longer for that for that purpose anyway my dad ended up calling on walmart and 
they had a bunch of nurseries. They were, of course, growing and, and had a nursery department. And this is back when they were small, back in the in the 80s. And so they had a metal canopy out beside their building and, that, and a fence, and they had put cable up between the metal canopy and the fence and then strung some shading fabric, which was, uh, was a inferior quality material. Mm-hmm. So he sold them on using our material and I went out to two of the stores and did a survey of them and I looked at it, I thought, man, this isn't, this isn't working because the, you know, the cable has all kinds of strength and tension, but mm-hmm. zero strength and compression. So any kind of load on it is making it flap and that's pulling the fence in. So then, then the cable gets more slack. And so it was a mess. So I came up with a, why not put a truss, aluminum truss, you know, could have put a metal, you know, some kind of metal truss, but aluminum is lighter. So I developed an aluminum truss that would go from the metal canopy to the fence that would support the fence as well as attach to the canopy and then support our shade fabric. So then we had a, a couple of test places. I pitched that to, or he pitched that to Walmart and they said, we'll give you a trial. We did two of them. They loved it. A couple of weeks later, a guy called and said, I want to come to your place. And he asked us if we could do 150 locations. And of course I said, sure, no problem. We can do that. <laughs> so that, that really got us into a much bigger business a few years later we had kmart and walmart and wow. target and and uh, we were doing 400 projects a year that's pretty neat i think that's impressive to i mean you're naming some really big stores that y'all were able to get in with and so you know i think y'all y'all did it right and you know you know and i know that's a success story but there were several other stories that you you haven't shared in they're probably, you know, some of them were successful and some of them weren't. So when we're, you know, we're looking at taking on projects, right? Because I think all of us have a sense of being an entrepreneur. We want to start stuff, but there's a lot who just say, well, I have an idea, but they don't do anything with it. And then there's the people that say, well, I have a good idea. I'm going to, I'm going to try to meet this need. This, this service needs to, to be provided or this product needs to be made and they go for it and they fail and then they don't try again. And then there's people like you that you go for it, maybe fail on that one, maybe fail on that one, maybe fail on that one, but then you're successful in that and you keep going. So how does a person know like what, because there's so many needs, right? There's so many services that need to be met. There's so many products that need to be met. So how does one go from sitting on the couch and not doing nothing to maybe even just starting and failing? How do they get to, to be to more of, the vein that you flow in, how to, what would you suggest to the people that are in those different camps? Interesting. Well, what I would suggest is you take things on the margins of what you already have skills for, you know, everyone has skills and gifts and then they have experiences and have what, you know, where they are today. So to develop a solution, you have to have some resources that you possess. I mean, something you know about, some skill or resources that you have access to, and then you kind of go from there. I think if you're just sitting on your couch and you're thinking, gee, 
it'd be nice to have a touch tone phone instead of a rotary dial, right? And wouldn't that be cool? And, you know, maybe somebody could do that. Well, unless you come up, unless you have the resources or the skills or the capabilities to develop a solution to that. So having the abilities, the abilities to develop a solution is, is really critical to being an entrepreneur. Now you could decide, well, I'm going to learn that. Um, you could go to work at a company that is in the industry you're interested in or the business you're interested in. And you may have a food idea, let's say your family has some great recipes and you want to maybe think about opening up a restaurant and, but you know, that's expensive and you have to make a lot of commitments and take a lot of risk. Well, then maybe you could do something in a small way and go to some events and present your food where you, you know you're bringing it to the event you could get a food truck going and then if if people really like what you've got there then you just kind of move from there and you take little you know baby steps but but i think the key to the thing is that one you have to really envision that you can succeed and then you have to take decisive action you know come up with some steps take decisive action to go ahead and to do it and you know and make a commitment that you're going to stick to it until you've succeeded uh, one of the challenges is recognizing when you're going to fail before you do and that's kind of the <laughs> entrepreneurs continually all the great entrepreneurs that i've ever read about if you go back and really look at their story you find that they either came so close to total failure or they went bankrupt and then they kept trying and kept doing it. FedEx, for instance, the, the guy that started FedEx ended up with no money for fuel for his airplane. He had a couple of airplanes and they had some routes they were going to run and then they lost some contract that they were going for and he didn't have really the resources to keep the planes in the air. He only had a little bit of money. The guy went to some uh, customer that he was hoping to to, uh, to acquire. That didn't work out. So he, he took the money that he had. He went to Las Vegas and he gambled and actually made enough to where he could afford the fuel for the, for the <laughs> next week. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> 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 but thinking of what all the options are and coming up with solutions, that's that's part of survival and that's that's part of what entrepreneurship is about, you know. Yeah, I think that's in there are everyone's DNA. So obviously some people are, are more apt to have a business entrepreneurship, but I think there's something inside of us that survival of trying to whether it's trying to figure out in your yard, trying to figure out a solution, you know, to yeah. create something in your yard or, or um, something in your house, you know, maybe trying to a better organization system, you know, how to figure out how to help things flow within your home, the rhythm of your house, with your family. You know, I think there is something inside of us, you know, that, that to, to create in that way. Have you noticed kind of a barrier sometimes that people have when they have that idea? I mean, is there, is it fear sometimes or, is it uh, just maybe a lack of resources or have you, what are some maybe obstacles that maybe even people might be dealing with listening to the show that are keeping them from 
I think primarily fear. Fear. Um, I don't think necessarily that entrepreneurs are fearless. I just think that that they have this tremendous desire to to succeed. Mm-hmm. And when they develop the concept or the idea, and they you know further develop that, that they they believe they can do it, and they're not going to give up until they achieve it or fail trying. So how do you, you know, what keeps people from doing one? I don't think everybody ought to be an entrepreneur in the sense of starting a business. I mean, if everybody started a business, then who would work <laughs> for you? Right. True. I mean, to a certain extent, we all are in charge of ourselves and we can be entrepreneurial in any business that we're in, you know, working for somebody else. Uh, I mean, a great, employee in a business is somebody who really sees their job as Mm. their entity you know that they're going to make the best they can out of it they uh, you know they are resourceful as to how to Mm -hmm. how to get the job done and when challenges come up they try to solve them obviously they have to manage up but so i think everybody can be entrepreneurial but to the extent that you are going to take the leap of starting, you know, starting a business, even if you do the little baby steps, like we talked about with the, the restaurant that you start by doing the food truck, you know, those are, those are reasonable kind of baby steps to get something going that are lower risk, which I think are reasonable. Uh, certainly my story or our story was one of incremental steps. We're always working the margins, you know, Sunshine, a couple of minutes ago, you asked about how do you, you know, do the things that it takes to, you know, succeed. Well, you you work on the margins of where you are. And I don't think Steve Jobs came up. I mean, obviously, they started with computers and then it ends up being a phone. (laughs) You know, so there was baby steps Mm -hmm. along the way. Momentum and opportunity, you know, control how far you can go, you know, how, how big you can scale, whatever you're, whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. I think you're right with the baby steps. And I think, you know, I was looking at the creation story and it was a picture book, um, picture Bible story. One of the boys has, and it was interesting because each picture, there was more to each day. And I thought, and I mean, I knew that, but just seeing the visual representation of it, I thought things take time creation took time it didn't just blink it was there it it took time in the instantaneous world that we live in a lot of people who want to create something it's like well i'm just going to develop the next app and i'm going to do it right now because there's these instant stories of instant success whether it's you know the social media platform boom it's it's hopping and then they think well then that's the way it should be and i think sometimes people give up a little too soon before letting that idea fully, you know, come to what it's supposed to be and they throw the towel in when they might have almost just been there. It's important, you know, you didn't become a $20 million revenue business. On a blink. That took time. Yeah. You know, you didn't start there. You built your way. And I think that is a, you look at today just in general and people look at where people are at Mm -hmm. in society and they think, well, I've got to be where they're at today. And we, you don't realize what, it took for people to get there and they didn't start start there well to put it into perspective 
Apple computer and our little enterprise started about the same time. Hmm. And obviously Apple grew to the the biggest company in the world, you know, the, so that might be a reflection on me not having a, a a view of how to how to grow what we did, or it could be the opportunity just wasn't there. Certainly with certain things, certainly with dot com businesses, you know, there's there's been the technological advances have been there. That's kind of the tip of the spear as far as opportunity, and then people on the have envisioned solutions using that that technology technological development arts was a little archaic you know i mean we were labor somewhat labor intensive but we were finding problems in the areas that where we existed mm-hmm. and i think that's what you know what we all can do it, you can imagine if you think about the the greatness of amazon or apple and mm-hmm. and if you think that, well, gee, to be great, that's what I'm going to have to do. And that's very daunting. Uh, so if that keeps you, if you think, well, I can't achieve that, then maybe I shouldn't even start. Well, mm-hmm. that sort of answers your question about why people don't start. Really, you shouldn't start unless that's a desire that you have mm-hmm. or a trait that you have. I really have traits to be an entrepreneur. My dad did. I mean, it's sort of genetic. Uh, my brother certainly. He's obviously an entrepreneur, but he, uh, you know, he didn't. Did he work with the business for a while and kind of well, venture he, off? I mean, yeah, you know, he started out with steak and ale, so he had a little more traditional way of entering, you know, into business. He started by learning a an existing business, so he worked for steak and ale for about seven years, and he was. Started as a bus boy and got to be a dishwasher. Or wow. one, of the, one of the two was the start. And then he ended up getting you know, a waiter and then assistant manager and then manager. And then then they really found out he did so great a job at that. They had him go work at restaurants that were the management wasn't doing well. And he ended up feeling a need there to improve the management. And then they moved him on. And then he did some new store starts up, startups. And uh, so he learned that he learned leadership in that uh, environment, you know. And but he also learned he also possessed the, some of the same genetic things of kind of having a, a vision of being able to see a solution, being a problem solver. And he more than anything is a decisive takes decisive action once he sees a clear path. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example of him. He, you know, they were quite su- successful for a number of years in Taste of Texas. And he had opportunities to do some other things. He had connections. Uh, one of his buddies was uh, Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick had a radio program, mm-hmm. a radio station. And so he would sub since they were buddies, you know, Ed was invited to substitute for him a few times and he did well. Anyway, long story short, he ends up with his own radio program on a conservative talk program. That, of course, increased his sphere of influence. That helped the restaurant because the more, you know, his name, more his brand mm-hmm. was expanded, the more people knew 
know who he was and knew about the restaurant even though he, he wasn't on there to advertise the restaurant but because people like you know liked him like hearing from him liked his point of view you know so he, he met all kinds of people and in this time he found some people involved with uh, the gulf war uh, families that had kids you know they were fighting over there and one of these kids ended up getting blown up in a Humvee and losing his legs and, you know, losing both legs and one arm and came back. And that was very distressful. There was the concern, you know, the mom had like, you know, why did this happen? Why, why, is, uh, why is our military letting, I mean, why are we solving this problem with these vehicles being blown up by these IUDs? Well, there was an opportunity to go to Iraq and be with, you know, kind of embedded with the troops for a little bit because he was in the media. And so he was interested in what's going on over there because obviously he's seeing some bad results mm -hmm. versus what you're hearing on the news necessarily, even though that's being reported, but he didn't understand, didn't have the, the answer for the mom, mm -hmm. basically. So he had the opportunity to go. And when he was there, he found that, you know, there's big problems. These you know, Humvees didn't have the proper armor on them. Um, anyway, Ed had a friend and a you know, associate who he, he had met who's in the steel business. And he said, look, he calls this guy up about 4 a.m. and said, look, Danny, I got a, uh, got a challenge for you. These Humvees are getting damaged so bad by the you know, these IUDs, these roadside bombs that, you know, too many people are getting <laughs> their their arms and legs blown off. And I mean, that's our, our kids over here. Mm -hmm. Maybe not dying, but, you know, getting maimed. So this guy, between the two of them, they came up with a solution to coming up with a kit to arm these vehicles. Now, this wasn't within the government or the military. You know, it was just a, a solution that, you know, Ed found somebody over there who was uh, in the military who was, wanted a solution. And, of course, that guy had to manage up through command and all that. And anyway, this friend of his helped put together a, a kit, other resources that he had. And they, they got the first shipment out about two weeks later wow. and had mm -hmm. enough parts to... to modify the Humvees to armor plate them to where they would take that kind of an uh, explosion without damaging people inside. Now, there was all kind of challenges. The military operates a little different than that, you know, but the publicity of that and the fact that it was an issue that somebody tried to develop a solution for, even outside the military, that caused some changes that ultimately got them to, to better arm these vehicles. But wow, I guess story. the point I'm trying to get to about specifically, but also where decisive action comes in. When you see a need for something and you, and you can envision a solution for it and you have the resources to put together for that, whether or not it's a business or not, that's, that's important in being able to take decisive action. And that's really what, the example I gave about Ed and this armor plating thing is 
it's believing you can do it and then just taking the leap of faith or, you know, stepping out and hoping that, you know, God's going to bless it. That's a really good story. That's a, a great advice, you know, and characteristic is being decisive. Uh, when you do see a need, you have the resources um, and, and, and to do it. And you have no idea what what that leads to. You know, you have you never know what is behind the door when you open the door. You know, when I used to we're out of college, when I do when I did this, was this sales job, it was it was just cold calling, you know, and the whole thing is like you just never you never know um, what is behind the door. So your business has, uh, has your your business, Hindia uh, Industries is growing. Everything's going great, but then things kind of started happening that kind of led to this idea of purpose, and um, which this is a personal story, and I think it it's really going to connect you know to a lot of people. So kind of take us through this experience and and how this all kind of unfolded, where you you yeah. you had a breakthrough, but there was a breakdown prior to the, to the right. breakthrough. <laughs> well, I kind of purposely set the stage for this and telling you about uh, how I had expectations that were kind of low set for me and and wanting to exceed expectations and and always wanting to be better. And then I was kind of entrepreneurial. So and now I talked about the kind of the loop you can get into. So a lot of my purpose was to show people I could be better than what they expected, right? Or to kind of feed the desire I had to develop new products or anytime I saw an opportunity, if I could, if I felt like I could accomplish it, I could go into some product that maybe would be challenging to develop or or get up to speed where I could compete in in a new area. And so the problem with that is that you may not be very profitable. Uh, You keep putting the company through challenges and changes. And so there was a, a, there were some traits that were positive, which that's attributes, right? And then there's some, those same traits can also be negative. Mm. So, what happened was I was so energized and, and motivated to continue to grow, continue to, you know, develop new products and go into new areas that it was, it was taxing the, the company's uh, success. We had the growth, we had increased amount of people and uh, resources and, you know, we were building the value of it, but we really weren't, just maintaining and sustaining some of the real basic needs for profitability. I mean, we made profits, rarely lost anything, but we didn't, we weren't real successful or weren't very successful. And and a lot of that was because I was too focused on one area. And that, that led to, and maybe some of it was just getting to be 50 or 52, a midlife crisis that part of which was born by being being a little burned out. And, you know, some of that was just that, hey, the realization is, man, I'm doing all these things. I got all these plates spinning, but I'm not really succeeding the way I knew that 
a company should, hmm. right? So in a way, we looked successful because we were big. I mean, we had lots of customers, lots of vendors, lot, you know, a lot of employees. Uh, you know, made some money. You know, I kept was able to continue to you know raise my income, but there really wasn't making the money it should. And we were, had so much focus on growth, we weren't focused on really uh, operating the business profitably, which is another kind of perspective. Anyway, I ended up being a little disenchanted with where I was. Uh, there was a kind of a turning point. Uh, I'd always had adventures that I was interested in. It went from, you know, camping and canoeing to kayaking to bicycling to, uh, you know, long-distance bicycling. And this friend of mine who was an associate and a, and a vendor in the business told me about his sailboat that needed needed a little work but he was trying to prepare it for a race that he wanted to be in to veracruz mexico and i'd always kind of had a dream to sail offshore anyway long story short he invites me my wife said why not <laughs> which was the, the worst two words this year <laughs> for us so um like every midlife crisis, you got a mistress. Uh, mine was a boat, hmm. and so I was I was able in my life to segregate the the uh, adventures from work. I mean, work itself was an adventure, so I was always dedicated to work. The the play stuff I could keep for the weekends, the weekend warrior stuff, but for some reason this this race to Veracruz and being offshore and on a big, you know, sailboat and um, that kind of took over as a, as a focus for me. And I lost focus of what was important for my, you know, for my business, which is kind of typical of a midlife crisis. So anyway, long, I mean, I can get all, all the gritty details, but basically when I wasn't watching the business, some things faltered. Uh, we had some big projects that I should have really had a, a lot more focus on that started teetering. They weren't really, you know, I had the team to kind of keep them going, but they had some issues that really needed my leadership to resolve, and I was kind of had focus elsewhere. When I started seeing the kind of cracks in the walls, which meant foundation issues, then uh, I knew I had I knew I had problems. And I had to start dealing with those problems, and there were going to be financial repercussions that were, you know, could be devastating. Anyway, I got consumed by guilt that that I'd put us in that situation. Uh, turns out we really weren't as bad a shape as I thought, but I I really got to where I wasn't rational, and kind of had what they what they call situational depression. Mm-hmm. And which was really mental illness. And I didn't know which, I really didn't know which way to turn. I had all these uh, issues, some of them real, some of them not so real that I was dealing with. Up till this time in my life, I've been a Christian, saved in the sense that I had given my life to Christ when I was a young man. And, uh, but I never really had, I didn't really have a, salvational experience 
and I'd never, I'd, uh, I trusted God that when I prayed, some things would maybe fall into place, and they always kind of had. But at this point, um, things were too big for me. You know, I would in the past, I'd always, I was always able to pull my pants on, get up, kind of control everything, get to work. It's still me trying to control, solve the problem, and here I couldn't solve the problem hmm. myself. And uh, my brother ended up helping me. And he told me a story. I thought it was a great story that's in the book. But you know how they how do they trap monkeys? He asked me, and I said, I don't have any idea. And he said, well, they have a jar, clay jar, and the jar has holes in it. But the jars are just big enough for the monkey to get the hands in the jar. And they fill the jar with nuts. So the monkeys reach in the jar to get the nut and they can't pull their paw out with the nut in it and he said i think that relates to you and i said well what do you mean he said, you're gonna have to let go mm. you know you're gonna have to let go of you thinking that you're gonna solve this you know because I've, I've been a problem solver my whole life here's a challenge that's beyond my you know capability and i know god could help me but i didn't see that help coming you know i'm looking around it's just dark clouds and thunder and and uh, he says you're gonna have to let go and so i found out that that's given in you know you're giving in to the higher power helping you with the solution it's not giving up but it's giving in and that's what i end up doing i end up I had to go to the hospital i had to get some medication i had to get some therapy and and then some things then it was really interesting how many things fell into place one my brother was willing to leave his business with his wife running it and come run mine for a few months hmm. He helped solve some problems, did an analysis, found out we weren't as bad a shape as I thought we were. You know, we so we got through some of the little, some of the bigger challenges, and then I started coming back to work, and then he was kind of taking some of the heavier load so I could get back in the groove. And then um, we were introduced to a, a business partner of mine introduced me to a guy that. Uh, had been the, the president he'd been a cfo and then became president of a, a billion dollar company and then they end up selling the company and so he retired he was the same age as i was but he had been very successful running a really large company i was introduced to this guy and the guy says look i'm gonna i have a system that we employed in in our company that really helped it grow it's it's uh, an incentive system. It's great for the employees, but it really helps the company save uh, overhead, you know, cut overhead and be more efficient. And you know, we believed in in incentive systems and always had them. But this was a kind of a all encompassing system for the whole whole company. He said, "I got a two criteria that I'm willing to do this for you." 
or help you with. And he said, one is that, that you're going to champion this system in your company. And two, that if you ever try to pay me anything, I'm out of here. Hmm. So here's a guy who had been president of a billion dollar company that, Maybe on one hand, you could look at it that he just wanted to try this out because it's something they developed in that big company, and here was a chance to try it in a smaller company. Or it could be that God put this guy hmm. in my life because it's something we, you know, we needed as a, you know, as a company. In, in implementing this system, it got me focused on the profitability of the company, and we ended up going from about a 3% annual profit to 12%, which was huge. You know, it's four times, right? And uh, and then we had very profitable three or four years. And my, we only had one son. He didn't, he was wanting to be an architect. He didn't want to be part of the business. The business partner that had some financial interest uh, in the in the company, because we were doing so great, wanted us wanted me to buy him out, and, and I was I needed to buy him out. I mean, I was legally being you know, bound to purchasing that, and uh, I didn't feel really comfortable with that. So I said, well, "Look, why don't we sell it?" Anyway, long story short, we end up getting more than way more than I expected the company was worth. Which I think is also another a blessing and a and a gift. So I, I mean, we did things to earn where we were. You know, we were successful in our own right, but this was an abundance beyond what I could have done. So I know that you know that that's when I I knew that God was really able to restore and you know abundantly bless. Uh, I mean, I never doubted that, but I didn't know that. I hadn't experienced that. So I count myself as really uh, blessed and lucky to to have experienced that. So when you had those nuts that you were, you know, you talked about kind of letting go, it must be fearful for you to have to do that. You know, for most people, if they have yeah. whatever is in their hand, you know, it's hard to to let go. So, and you, and you talk in your book about really how you kind of discovered your purpose through there. And it was more than, it's obviously about using your gifts and your skills, but you kind of, again, you talk about how you were a Christian, but it kind of, you just, you know, realized at that moment that there was a, a greater purpose. Yeah. Well, let me, let me respond to that. I think if we go back to the great commandment, you know, we're told or God tells us that we're supposed to love God with all our heart and our mind and our soul and and then have no other God but him. Beyond that, though, the, the great commandment says that we're supposed to love our neighbor like we love ourselves. And I never really understood that. You know, it's that's one of those things that's like, okay, how can I do that? Okay, I know I'm supposed to. It's like I can't be I can't be perfect like Christ, but this is maybe just another one of those guideposts where you're supposed to try. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I think I understand it now that 
to you know, first of all, love is it's an emotion, but it's also a it's also an action. Hmm. So how do you love God? Well, you, you honor God, right? Okay, well, how do you love your your neighbor? You know, they, it doesn't mention family, but when you start out, it's just you, right? And then, of course, you're in a family, and then you got your neighbor. So I'm assuming neighbor is everybody else other than God and me. Mm-hmm. So to love somebody else let's start with your family to love your family uh well let me just pose this question to to sunshine how do you love your kids i love them by telling them that i love them and showing them that i love them all right what kind of action okay that's action telling and showing Mm -hmm. but correct me if i'm wrong but part of showing that you love somebody is to help provide them for their needs right meet their needs so you want your kids to be the best they can be so you try to do things that help foster that in them you know how to how to help them become the best they can be and how to provide for them that's as a as a husband that's our job to provide for our our family you know as a as a husband we want our wife to be the best she can be uh and we want to support and provide for our our wife or our kids and so then beyond our family then we've got those folks that live in the houses around us that maybe we know maybe we don't know but how do we how do we love them well providing for their needs well that doesn't have to be charity think of that it doesn't just have to be that your neighbor needs something you you lend it to them or that you go help them fix something at his house it could be that you provide for them well that's what you do in business Mm. you're actually providing for others needs so i I find kind of solace in that 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 i think entrepreneurship or being in you know in business and succeeding is is you're fulfilling something that you know god has asked us to do Uh, jeremiah 29 11 God says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I think that promise is kind of supports the idea that we're supposed to take steps to improve ourselves and and to be fruitful and know that, you know, God doesn't want to harm us. God wants us to prosper so that should give us that should kind of overcome some of the fear you know you asked about earlier that you know give you the the kind of the faith that it's it's okay to step out of your comfort zone zone and and uh and do things that you know that need to be done and and have the kind of faith that that things are going to kind of come together and and uh, if you fall down, somebody might be there to, to, you know, to help you. So my purpose that I've discovered is kind of twofold. One is that I need to control kind of the desire that I had or the passion I had to, you know, just go create new things and solve problems because that's only part of it. Hmm. And to better take care of my 
family, my customers, my employees, you know, I need to run something that's successful so they can flourish and benefit, not just to have a job, right? So that's that's kind of the purpose I discovered. And there's a guy that I listened to, he was part of a Colson Fellows event that they had, mm-hmm. a guy named was Abu Murray. And he said something very profound that he said that your purpose is the boundary on freedom. And that, at first that was kind of a shocker for me and I had to think about it, that why would there be a boundary or why would that be desirable to have a boundary on, on freedom? And when you really think about it, that complete freedom is chaos. So a boundary on freedom is one of those is purpose, at least, right? There's other boundaries on freedom, like you know, being a good Christian means you don't you're not going to do certain things, right? Mm-hmm. But in uh, I think to be successful individually and successful as a in an, in any kind of a business endeavor or as a you know some kind of team endeavor, we got to have certain boundaries, and that's you know that's our purpose. So staying focused on that is the is the key. Yeah. So just kind of the over the finding that that overarching pur- purpose of loving God and loving others, and seeing that in business that providing services, products, whatever it is that it, you're actually meeting needs, you're loving your neighbor, and seeing that what you're doing in the context of that big story that that God has called us to live out. You're providing if you're a business owner, you're providing an income for the people that work for you that are right. helping provide needs for their families. You're, you're, you're providing needs for uh, real practical needs for, for a client, a customer that is providing needs for someone else that is also providing needs for people that work them. I mean, it's just the power of what seems to, what you're saying is that, you know, you know, profit's good. There's, you know, nothing wrong with making money, but to see that in the bigger picture, it's about loving people, meeting needs, and um, and that's where you kind of really helped you get through that and walk through that that point. You know, you've been a part of the entrepreneurship program at U of H. You mentored uh, people there. Have you seen kind of a change over the years in that entrepreneurship program on how they've prepared people, um, entrepreneurs? They really have. And one, I, I sure wish I'd had the opportunity to you know be a student in that when I went to the University of Houston, but that. That program was really developed later, but I guess I have seen a change. I started mentoring in late 90s, about 1997, 98. I was introduced to that by a, a business associate who had volunteered. And what a great, you know, what a great program. At the time, it was focused on kind of the business mechanics, you know, of being an entrepreneur about how to put together a business plan, do market research, you know, develop the kind of the means to, you know, the product and the service and then how to evaluate, you know, financials. And so it was really the mechanics part. And then I took a a break from that in 2003 because that's kind of the time period when we were, We'd implemented all these systems on our in our company and working really hard at that and looking for a buyer. Uh, you know, started about 2004. So I took a break from it and started back again 
in uh, four or five years. Well, I guess it's five years ago now. Program is still has the me the mechanic side, but the mentorship part is really focused on developing, helping these students understand what their purpose is. That's interesting. Yeah. Develop a you know have a dream. How to take that you know look at really look internally first, and then and they do some assessment type things you know like for place yeah you know that you that you set up here and get a better understanding of what your skills what your gifts are and what your goals are and then and then start looking at how to put together a business plan you know how you know, so they're learning kind of the mechanics on one side but they're learning the the heart part how to understand yourself and what your mission and life is and then you know and then put that together with the mechanic side of you know how to put a business together so I kind of learned that the hard way. That's okay. But I, I really enjoy having the opportunity to, you know, be a part of this new program there and mentor these young people. And hopefully I can, you know, help people that uh, are entrepreneurs along the way. If some of them want to read my book and get the idea that, hey, look, it's, it's, it's important to really get a grasp of what what your true purpose is and not just your desire or not just, you know, where you've got certain skills or traits that might have you going in one direction, but you need to kind of have a more holistic view of what success really is. My dad used to say that, you know, success is doing the things that lead to success and don't do the things that lead to failure. Well, how simplistic is that, right? But very prophetic, though, because uh, first you have to figure out well, what is success. Mm. And that's really what I wrote the book about is is uh, how I found out what real success is. And part of that was going through, you know, some hardship, getting knocked around a bit, but I wouldn't trade it because I, I got to see God at work in my life you know i've seen him working around me but it was a it was a blessing to and the outcome was a blessing yeah so the the book the Pur purpose a journey from break down to breakthrough there's a lot in that book it talks about uh, again some of the stories that you shared about how the company developed these different innovations that you guys had there's some good things in the book about the incentive program that you talked about on uh, the benefit that is if they implemented that in certain companies or in companies. And then you go through a little bit more detail and in, into what happened during that breakdown and, and through the breakthrough. But what ultimately led you to write the book? What made you decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to write a book about my journey? Well, that's interesting. Uh, after after I experienced the, the, the breakdown and the recovery, I felt like I should share my testimony. Hmm. And I, I did with people. I, you know, I, I brought a written testimony of two or three pages long. I, I gave it to, I shared it with pastor and 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 some others. And and then along the way, I've been introduced to people that were having challenges, and I got to, you know share my story with them and you know, how you know I was saved by God's grace. And I felt like that was could benefit people, but it had to be people that I met along the way. I mean, I wasn't out promoting it. 
in any way. Um, what kind of led me to write the book, I'd, I'd started to write a book about the kind of the financial side, the, the incentive system, and I was partway through that. And then I, I listened to a podcast. Um, it, was by, it was Glenn Beck. Now, Glenn Beck's kind of a political guy, but on, on Saturdays he would have a podcast where he interviewed people. And he interviewed a guy named Kamal Ravikant. And that guy had written a book called uh, uh, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. And he had gone through some challenges kind of like mine. And and he had some system for improving his life beyond that. And it was fairly interesting. I ended up buying the book and reading part of it. But, you know, he sold 500,000 copies. So I thought, well, gee, if his story is interesting, then maybe my story would be beneficial. So and this would be a way of kind of expanding the the testimony or the influence if I could you know, reach more people. So I, that's why I wrote the book and that's why you know, I ended up self-publishing it. And um, I didn't want the, the proceeds from the book just, you know, to benefit me personally or financially. So, you know, you never know how well you're going to do with something like that. So I made a, a commitment to use all the resources for the book sale to you know help special needs families which i have a passion for involved in a ministry you know at our church seeing a ranch with the special needs program so and i and i've been able to uh, so far contributed uh, to the ark uh, a few hundred dollars to them you know as as it goes along and the, the last month the book sold uh well, actually, it sold 138 copies, and previously it was 52, so it's kind of on the right trajectory. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to take the proceeds so far and uh, be able to contribute to something valuable. That's great, So I feel good about it. So all the all the proceeds go to a special needs ministry. Right. And, you know, I think, it again, going back to you know, a purpose of us doing this podcast is really the storytelling and people sharing their stories and how you heard someone share a story and that gave you that idea. Like, maybe I should share my story. Mm-hmm. And cause I think that, you know, the experience that you went through in business, not only do you have the, the wisdom, the experience and the knowledge of being a business owner or running a business, but that, that experience of going through that challenging time, that tough time that I think so many people go through and sometimes yeah. they feel they should be going through it. You know, I mean, I, there's something wrong, you know, and I've, uh, whatever I'm, I'm feeling right now, whether it's uh, being depressed about something or anxiety and they just, they're trying to figure out, like you talked about all those plates that you, that you were trying to, to keep up. And so to hear other people just being authentic and real that have walked through that and have seen the other side of that and mm-hmm. seen the blessing of that. Mm-hmm. I think that gives hope to people. Um, have, have if anybody that you connected with that you were able to either that has read your book or that you were, could, could share your story that you found them in a moment like that, that you've been able to, to walk with them through that. 
Yeah, I have. And and uh, I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, "Gee, I've I've gone through some challenging times, and I've maybe they hadn't had a, a big breakdown, or but you know they've gone through some real challenging times, and they felt like that I revealed something in my experience that." Uh, they felt like they benefited from and that's that's the most you know, i can hope for that's what i would, i got one guy that wrote a review and if you don't mind i'm going to read it because it's what uh <laughs> the purpose of writing this book was to you know hope i would reach somebody like this and and did so anyway this this person said it was a wonderful opportunity to read chuck hindy's book purpose i only wish that it would have been available four years back when I was experiencing similar difficulties in my own life. I certainly would not have gotten to the phase that I did on the chart. Uh, although the experience was not pleasant at the time, it was life-changing for the better and purpose-evoked reflective thoughts, a renewal in faith and a focus on how God, not me, is the in control and he is all you need to make it through hardships that is earthly life will throw that hardships that earthly life will throw your way i recommend all entrepreneurs read this book whether currently in despair or feel that everything is in order it will help you find and or keep balance in life in your life and offers great business emotional and spiritual guidance that we all need in today's uncertain times. So if that's that great. guy's if that guy's the only one that read this book and that's his response, then I feel like You've I've, done your job. I've done yeah. Feel good about it. Now that's 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 powerful. And again, just how God has used your story to mm-hmm. encourage someone's life in, in in probably many, many people's life. And so for even out th- those of you out there listening, just to to know that God does have a purpose, and He's even got a purpose for what we're going through right now in our life, and we don't sometimes always see it, but God is in the business of causing all things to work for good for those that love Him and who are called according to His purpose. And so, yeah, Amen. If you're on that journey, discovering that again, Chuck Kendi's book, check it out. You can find it on Amazon purpose a journey from breakdown to breakthrough again all the proceeds of the book do go to special needs ministries there's also a website uh that you can go to uh, and, and purchase the book from there as well and uh there's some uh, a blog on there that chuck writes on as well and that the name of that website is uh, purpose a journey is that correct purpose a journey mm-hmm. purpose a journey.com oh sure there's one other quote i wanted to mention yeah from a very uh noted uh individual that we all that we all know and that's uh mr falk here (laughs) he mr bill here said how do we know the mercy of god if we don't need mercy Hmm. and that's uh i don't know whether you actually coined that or whether that's something you just know and use but how uh how prophetic that is that and that's what i experienced that I needed the mercy of God. Yeah. And he was there for me. Yeah. And so I I take that as to me as an experience that I I feel very blessed that I went through at the mm-hmm. time 
very challenging, mm-hmm. you know, and you, and you want to be every, any way, but in it. Hmm. I like though how you shared that you'd always kind of seen God at work around you, you know, working in other people's lives and, you know, you'd pray and ask him to bless it. And sometimes he blessed something and you see kind of, it's like you knew he was around, but it's like when you went through that, it's like, okay, now this has become very personal to me who he is. And I, I appreciated you sharing that. So Thanks. thank you. It's been a pleasure. To- We've enjoyed having you today, Chuck. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's been Thank great you, again. Sunshine. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, again, purpose, a journey from breakdown to breakthrough. And hope everybody has enjoyed this sh- the show. And uh, you, uh, is there any way that people can contact you, Chuck, through through sure. the website? Is there? Absolutely. Okay. They can contact me by email. Okay. Um, so uh, be sure to go to the website. And again, um, you can find his book on Amazon.com or PurposeAJourney.com. You can go to the website. So, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show, Chuck. It was great. And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Be sure to check or to hit the subscribe button to get all the latest content. And y'all take care and God bless. Bye-bye.